Disclaimer. All views expressed on this podcast represent the host and his guest, and not the companies or agencies they are associated with. Welcome to Tony's Game Lounge, a weekly podcast that covers gaming news, upcoming releases, and topics from all aspects in the gaming industry. Kick back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tony's Game Lounge. I'm your host, Tony Erickson, as always, and apologies for not having an episode last week, but uh, where I am in Canada, we had a pretty bad heat wave. It, it was not bearable. I was in my basement cooling off for like four of the five days that it was here that week. Uh, and uh, it, it was at worst timing as well because I got my brand new PC and I could barely use it. But hey, we're out of that. We're back. And joining us this week, we got a very special guest. We got Gail McLeod here with us. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right, Tony. I hope you're doing good, too. Hope I am doing, doing good. well. I am doing very well. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. My and pleasure to be here. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're just going to jump right into it. Because you are a brand new guest, we get to ask you the very hard-hitting questions of what is your favorite video game, video game character, and video game soundtrack? Okay. All three of these are from completely unrelated series. So my favorite game... Has to be Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Yep. My favorite character is Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) I know, right? And my favorite original soundtrack has to go to Trails of Cold Steel 1. Ooh, okay. I've never played a Trails of Cold Steel game. Oh, dude, you have to try them. They're so fantastic. Okay, I feel like we'll probably end up talking about them a bit later in the podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask all my questions there. Um, but for now, uh, we got the startup screen that we got to look at. And uh, we had a, some people were speculating Nintendo to announce uh, the, the Switch Pro or whatever. And uh, hey, we got we got a new Switch. Just not what we were expecting. Nintendo yeah, has, it was uh, quite the reveal, huh? Yeah, Nintendo has now released uh, the new Switch model, the OLED model. Which doesn't do a lot of new things. It's basically your standard Switch, just with a, a slightly bigger screen. Uh, a 7-inch OLED screen, to be specific, with a slimmer bezel. Um, it's coming in two colors. You have the a white. And the dock for the white one, I will say, the white dock for the, the new Switch looks clean. Like, it looks slick. I really like the dock. I'm a fan of it, too. White is my personal favorite color, so that was already an appeal to me. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it also has the neon red and neon blue set, which is the, the classic Switch colors. So that's what we're looking at for that. Um, it's got a wide adjustable stand, which I really like about that. Um, the dock is a bit designed a little bit differently as well. You have a new wired LAN port attached to it, so you can do LAN stuff with it now. Uh, you got 64 gigs of internal storage. Still uses micro SD cards for additional storage, of course. Uh, in handheld mode, it's got some onboard speakers, and it's still compatible with all your Joy-Cons and controllers. Oh, really? Is it still compatible with the old Switch docks and all that? Or I not? don't know about uh, the docks themselves, but uh, controller-wise, yes. The docks, I'm not so sure. Although okay. it is a different Switch. Uh, people, 
this type of Switch is for people who want that, like, good Switch, classic Switch feel and not, like, the Switch Mini and right. play in handheld a lot more. This is for mm. you. If you haven't gotten a Switch yet and you're thinking about getting one and you know you're going to play in more handheld, get the OLED, OLED version. If you already have a Switch, hold off. This isn't what you're waiting for if you're looking for that Switch Pro. It's more of just some minor... Minor changes, better screen, I think, slightly better screen. Uh, more, It's more more designed for those who want to play handheld. And it comes out uh, fairly soon. October 8th is when it's dropping for 300, about around 350 USD. So I think around the 400 mark for us Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear it. I, I mean, that's just how the economy personally. is. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, OLED switch? Personally, I'm a dock mode player through and through. So the wider screen and the more adjustable stand are pretty much negligible for me. Yeah. As uh, if if the switch had more differences or more standout things or even like an improved CPU or like internal hardware, I might consider it. But because it has none of those things and it's mostly just really minor changes and a cool looking dock, I don't think that's worth three hundred fifty. I I definitely like because I'm I'm kind of a mix, but I do mostly play docked uh, uh, more than undocked. So when I do have it undocked and like I do have it on its stand, it's all right. But like I really like how the the wide adjustable stand like that's really nice. I definitely like that a lot. And yeah, that's the the Switch OLED. It's October eighth. If you if you don't have one yet, again, this is probably a good one for new Switch players. Or if you maybe have the Switch Mini and you don't have a Switch uh, proper Switch yet, then maybe it's time for you to make that upgrade if you if you finally have enough buckaroos. Uh, as they say, <laughs> as they say, I don't know. I, I'm running out of terms to think of money. We got a lot of things. Um, collect your loonies and toonies in the jar and uh, <laughs> bring them to your local EB Games or GameStop and uh, plop them on the counter and just be like, "I'll take one, please." Uh, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's that. It's cool. Uh, I still think we're gonna see a Switch Pro. Maybe not so? until next year, though. Hmm. I hope so. I, I want Nintendo to upgrade the Switch in terms of, like, hardware and maybe some internal storage would be nice. And, like, you know, when I say hardware, I especially mean online compatibility. Yeah. Because the Switch ain't... It's not that powerful. And if we do get another version that has all of those things, I might get that. Mm, I this, definitely see that, Yeah. <laughs> I, I especially now that because uh, the Switch was has been out for a long time, and considering it's this is it's it's uh, counterparts for PlayStation and Xbox have like finally reached uh, the shell the shelves uh, in quotation marks because you know they're the second they touch the shelf they're off it like the next second. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that those are finally out and they're like just as powerful as a PC, uh, it really shows like how the Switch is a bit lacking in, in a sense. So it kind of needs Nintendo kind of needs to just like put out a new version to finally like compete now that all the next gen consoles are existing finally. Yeah. We're, we're reaching the era where like Nintendo's going to have to like put 
like more power into it. Like it, it makes sense that the Switch isn't nearly as powerful comparatively because you can take it on the go, which is like sort of one of its marketing features. Yeah, but the but, fact that there's also and it was shown off at E3 that there's a PC that's basically a Switch, and that's it. That's like out now, like or out soon, I think. Hmm. So the technology's there. The power the, and everything is there. It's just Nintendo has to, like, you know, suck. I want to say suck it up and, like, you know, not just be like, ah, no, we'll design it ourselves. We don't need any extra help. Yeah. You know, because that's how Nintendo be sometimes. They certainly do their own thing. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I'm excited to see what else comes for hardware for the Switch. Because mm-hmm. they got there's a lot of potential. And I think with that, we're going to move on to the week in review. The Week in Review, a look back at the top headlines and stories from the world of gaming. And this past week, uh, or past two weeks, uh, some games came out. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, Literature Club Plus came out. Um, a paid version of Doki Doki Literature Club, Club that's now on all the consoles everywhere. It's got some more content. If you liked that visual novel game, it's definitely a iconic game for what it did. And, I've been uh, seeing quite a lot of Doki Doki things all around lately. A lot I've... of my friends are into it. Mm. My Twitter feed goes nuts. You know, <laughs> I've never played it. I definitely mm-hmm. watched a lot of videos back when it was at its height, height, peak hype, height. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, we also had Doom Eternal make it to the next gen consoles, and last week specifically, as those were like two weeks ago. Last week, Monster Hunter Stories Two came out. And uh, that RPG for the Monster Hunter series is, uh, I think, is doing good. It looked Uh cool. Is that the one I saw in the Nintendo E3 Direct? Yes, that was in Nintendo's E3 Direct. They showed off more gameplay than what Capcom showed at theirs. (laughs) It it was like, why why did Capcom's E3, and I'm going to say this again, I think I said it back on the E3 episode, but like, Capcom was pointless. Like, they had, what they showed. They could have showed it off and like they could have teased off Resident Evil 8's DLC at the Xbox show. They could have shown off Phoenix Wright at the Nintendo show. They could have shown off Mo- and they showed off Monster Hunter Stories at the Nintendo show. Mm-hmm. The the only th- the other thing they had, I think that I'm trying to remember, was their uh, Street Fighter esports segment, and mm. it was. It was that was that was it. That was like the bulk of the show as well. So it's like, uh, 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 okay, not a lot of people care about this. There are some people who do, obviously, but I, yeah, a majority probably don't. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised if honestly wasn't like I'm. I'm gonna try not to spend too long on E3, but wasn't like Square Enix mostly showing off a lot of Capcom stuff. Uh, no, Square Enix was guilty for, I think, half their show being Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, right, it was Marvel, not Capcom. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got <laughs> the, the other one, Marvel versus <laughs> Capcom. Which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> My mistake. Uh, rip rip that franchise, by the way. Infinite, mm. uh, or Infinity? What What is it? Is it Infinity or Infinite? I'm not sure. I would say Infinity. I think it was Infinity. Rip that franchise, though, for what that game did. Oof. Yeah. Um, as for the news that happened in the past two weeks, also, 
Uh, the week I took off, it was kind of a slow week for news that week. So we kind of got off lucky for taking that week off because of the heat storm. So thank you, Sun God, I think. <laughs> or not. I don't know. Anyway, uh, starting Salute with the, the sun. <laughs> Salute. Praise the sun. <laughs> Get that amiibo. Because uh, remember, remember, there is a Dark Souls amiibo that exists. I love Solaire. He's such a meme. <laughs> he is. Uh, so in the news department, Red Dead Online, they have their next big update coming out next week. Uh, Blood Money, adding some new mission types, crimes, and opportunities. Um, so now you can feel like a real criminal in the wild, wild west working for some Italian. That, that's, that's, I haven't played Red Dead 2 yet, so it's, it's a sad day because uh, I played the original Red Dead. It was fun. I never finished it, but it was fun. Hmm. Um, All that matters. <laughs> in Pokemon news, they're opening a nature park in Japan called Pokemon Wonder. Uh, it'll be running from July 17th to August 3rd. Uh, and you basically walk through this park and you can find little Pokemon uh, figurines kind of all scattered throughout. Like there's some Oddish in some bushes or some Diglets. Oh. Um, and I, I don't know what they're made of, but they're like uh, made of like uh, some materials to kind of look realistic. And uh, oh, they're just going to be like park. animatronics. Not oh, animatronics, like sadly. Movement. No. I would be I would be a really cool though if they did that. Yeah, from the sounds of it, it sounds it gives me like Pokemon Go kind of vibes, where like you're supposed to just walk around and then you find like actual Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> here you go. Here's a here's some Pokeballs, but they're actually just rocks, and you throw them at the Pokeball Pokemon, <laughs> and they just shatter. It's <laughs> just like, oh god, what have I done? <laughs> they like uh, blow up. Exactly. We have reports of the next Assassin's Creed game. Um, supposedly titled Assassin's Creed Infinity. It's currently in development and it's going to be online and meant to unfold in multiple parts throughout history and will have like constant updates like Apex, Fortnite, etc. So seems interesting. These are only reports and we don't know what Ubisoft will actually be doing uh, as we know that they're still heavily working on more DLC and updates for Valhalla as they announced at E3. So we probably won't hear about more about th this for a good while, but uh, the rumors are out there. Mm. Gotta love your rumors. You gotta love them. Well, we got a new game announced, uh, Robocop. That franchise, it's uh, Ro called Robocop Rogue City. It was announced for a 2023 release. And it's going to be an, a first-person shooter game where you protect Detroit as Robocop. Hmm. Was that... That was shown at E3, right? No, it was not, actually. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of something else. I'm trying to think of what you might be thinking of, because I watched everything, but then again, a lot of those trailers were... I, I watch I watch so I watch so much E3. I'm just like everything's just yeah. a blur to me now. <laughs> yeah, everything starts to look a little too similar. Yeah. There. Uh, according to an update, Mortal Kombat 11 has now finished all their DLC, and Nether Realm is in works on their new project. So Mortal Kombat 11 is done receiving um, major support. You might see a couple patches here and there before their next game comes out, but nothing too major from this point out. The game mm. is pretty much done, which good for them. Can't wait to see what the next game will be. That's always exciting. 
I wonder if that means that they're still gonna like put on and support uh tournaments for Mortal Kombat. Uh they all, I'm pretty sure they will. Like we're probably gonna still see stuff. It's just gonna be it means that we're gonna see a new game soon and then all the focus will be on brand new game. Hmm. Uh co founder of Rockstar, Dan Hauser. Uh he's no longer part of Rockstar, he left. Uh but he's unveiled his new studio. Absurd Venture in Games. Hmm. Um, AVG. AVG. So, nice. I, uh, so uh, we we got that. They haven't really announced what they're working on, but uh, that's happening. Uh, some new games from co co-founder of Rockstar, which is cool. Uh, if you haven't heard yet, Ghost of Tsushima, they're getting a director's cut release for the PlayStation 5 and adding a new island and single-player content, which, oh boy, I'm excited for. Because mm, I believe it's counts. also coming to the PS4. Oh, no way! That's I believe, awesome! I believe so. I believe in the trailer, it's like, yeah, you can get it for the PS5, obviously, because that's going to be the version 4 of the PS5, but I believe you can also get the director's cut version for the PS4. So, which means there's probably going to be uh, like a, a DL separate DLC for said Island. If you just have the base game. That so. is fantastic news. Ghost of Tsushima is one of those games that I've been wanting to get, but know that I would not have the time to finish if I really did. But all the same, I still want it. It's not that bad. Honestly, I platinum the game. Not that bad to finish. How long did it take you? Uh, about a week and a half. Uh, in game time. Uh, let's see, eight hours a day, roughly, because this was when I was not working, uh, about 50, 60 hours. That's nothing. Wow. I think, I think it it might have been, I think it might have been 70, but it's around the 50 to 70 mark. Okay. That's a lot less time than I thought. Oh yeah. And then you also, but now you also have the, the multiplayer mode, but I haven't even touched that. Uh, I'm like, I finished the game when they announced Legends, but I'm like, yeah, will I play it? Not really. But uh, you also have that, and uh, now more single-player content. I will get back in the game to play that, because it was a phenomenal story. Sounds like it's the perfect time for me to get into the game. <laughs> yes. Um, this next uh, one uh, might uh, trigger some viewers. Uh, Pokemon, back to Pokemon, on their YouTube channel, uh, they made a Bidoof Day. And uh, if you went on their YouTube channel and you saw this cute, adorable Bidoof in the thumbnail and you clicked on that video, you were greeted to a Rickroll. Nice one, Pokemon. And However, because of copyright, Pokemon's like, oh, we're not going to actually play. We're going to make a whole song about Bidoof to the theme of to Rick Astley's never going to give you up. (laughs) Well, all right, then. It's so, not even April Fool's Day. Why? It's it's not. It, it's Bidoof Day. It's Bidoof Day. That's why. Uh, all right. <laughs> that, that's the reason. It's Bidoof Day. Um, in some sad news, uh, River, the dog who played dog meat in Fallout Four, sadly passed away. Aww. It's a sad day, but uh, she was loved and she did a lot of work. And everybody, everybody was sad, and they all put the O sevens in the chat. Um, but yeah, it was some sad news, but she is technically, uh, immoral, immortalized, memorialized in Fallout 4 for the rest of eternity. So you have that, the fact that you have like such a grand scale game where, where you basically like the majority of people are like, I'll take the dog with me all the time. 
<laughs> you got you got a great memory there. So thank you for your service, River, and rest in peace. Um, in some other news, hey, Kazuya got added into Smash Bros. along with some me costumes. Shantae, Dante, the uh. Dragonborn, and Lloyd. Ah, it's so sad, dude. It's, <laughs> I I will definitely say did not see the Dante one coming. A lot of us didn't. That, that one was a blow out of left field. Yeah. To quote Dante, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll be talking more about uh, Smash uh, later on in this episode, so we'll probably talk a little bit more about uh, Kazuya's edition as well as the Mii costumes later on as well. Bungie, they'll be really v- revealing their next Destiny 2 expansion next month titled The Witch Queen. Um, so for Season 4, we'll probably bring back on our Destiny Insider Jackson to talk a little bit about that. Minecraft got rated R in South Korea. What? Uh, yeah, so there's a law in South Korea that uh, prohibits underage people. So if you're 18 or younger, you cannot play video games from certain times, like late at night to early morning. That sounds very unpleasant because uh, as a kid, that's like the primary thing you do. Yeah, um, and the re- I, can, it's, I don't remember the exact reasoning, but it's like to... It's like for like online. It's like for online games mostly mm-hmm. because it's like it, anyway. Because of this, in Minecraft being a huge popular online game, the games we rated R. So, it, but it's like, well, how can you stop people from playing Minecraft then? Because uh, it's like so accessible, and it's you know, well, on the site in South Korea on the Mojang official website. In order to make a Minecraft account, you gotta be 19 years of age to make an account. Unfortunate. Unfortunate indeed. Very weird that there's a law like that. Did not cross my mind to ever think that that would exist, but hey, here we are. I I wonder if the reasoning is just so younger people can focus on school more. That is mostly like if- one of the bigger reasons, especially with how strict the at least the the asian school system kind of is like when you look at like things like japan and south korea more south korea especially south Mm. korea but it's still like a very different school system that they have over in asia my condolences to everyone affected yes yes um there was a leak claiming that gta 6 is in development Mm. And it may not release until 2025. Aww. I mean, <laughs> makes sense because what, GTA 5 comes out on the next-gen systems soon-ish, I think. Oh, that's right. For, like, their... I mean, I feel like at this point the next thing you're going to release it on is a smart fridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what they have to release it on next. Otherwise, uh, Skyrim will have them beat. <laughs> I don't think 5. GTA wants that. <laughs> I'm surprised that they're remaking it or... Are they, are they even like upscaling? I think they're upscaling. A, I think they're like upscaling the graphics. I think because you know mm, it can okay. handle more, and it's got like a few new additional things that like you know the new consoles can handle. But that's really about it. I think. Hmm. Man, they are determined to milk GTA Five as long as they can, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's mostly their the online. Like GTA Online is so big. 
Mm. Like they've updated that so many times. And then when you look at just the standard game, it's like, oh, they haven't done anything new to the base game except when they released it on like the PS4 and Xbox One when they added first person mode. Mm. That was like the last big, big thing that like was really cool that they did. Uh, speaking of first person, great segue. Someone made a mod for Sonic Generations that puts yes. you in first person. I've seen that mod. I've seen clips of it on Twitter where you see it from Sonic's point of view. It's hilarious. It is, well, it's very funny. I legit was like, oh, I cannot watch this. I am feeling sick watching this. <laughs> like, it's ugh. Have you ever wondered what it's like to curl up into a ball and spin at ungodly <laughs> speeds? Now you know. Now you know. <laughs> um, and lastly, uh, yesterday, day of recording, PlayStation had their state of play. Uh, one of the state of plays that they'll probably have uh, this year. Um, so this is, I guess, part one of their uh, of their lack of E3 content. So uh, they announced some things, showed off some things, and I'm uh, going to go through everything that they showed off really quick. Moss Book 2, uh, if you... It's a PlayStation VR title, the sequel to Moss. That's uh, That was announced. No release date for that one yet, though. Arcade Geddon, a solo-slash-co-op horde battle-type game where you work together to just save your arcade. It's very Fortnite-esque in the sense that... You remember what original Fortnite was like? It's mm-hmm. that. It's, kind of, it's, it's giving me that kind, of, that kind of vibe without the building. I see. Mm-hmm. And that comes, uh, it's in early access right now, uh, and it comes officially in 2022. Uh, we got another Tribes of Midgard trailer, which was shown all over the place at E3, um, as it comes out uh, July 27th. So it's like, you know what, we got to show it off one more time because this release is coming soon. End of the month. Then we got a trailer for Fist. Um, that's that game where you play as that rabbit who has that mechanical fist on his back, and it's a side-scroller uh, type game where you uh, move through the, the, the 2D stages uh, platform and fight your way to, I think, a revolution, I think. Hmm. Uh, then we got a, a trailer for Hunter's Arena Legends, a battle royale game, but instead of guns, it's all close-quarter close quarter combat um where you use uh weapons and stuff you're hunting demons while also trying to survive encounters with other players looks neat um comes out next month for the playstation 4 and playstation 5 we got a new trailer for shifu that game where you fight enemies but every time you die you age uh and that sounds uh, unpleasant (laughs) It actually looks really cool. Um, I can't remember when they... I think they showed it off at another State of Play earlier, or last year, I think. And Mm -hmm. uh, the concept for the game is really cool. It's just like a standard beat-em-up type game, but every time you fall down, you age a bit, you gain new stuff, and uh, you keep on going. Mm -hmm. Then we got Jet, the Far Shore, and Exploration Heavy, and no real... Not a major combat uh, type game, where it's like you're basically exploring this alien planet trying to just like monitor everything and not try to like destroy it so which is a really cool take because you know as people get with uh, space exploration and planets destroy every living thing that comes near you interesting when 
when you say no combat, like was just no combat shown, or is the no? Game it's totally like it's like if if there's something that's trying to attack you, you gotta evade, you gotta run, you gotta use the environment to your protection. Hmm. It's really interesting. Interesting gameplay style. Um, and then they're like, oh hey, and now we want to show two things from Sega, and I was like, oh, but no, uh, no Sonic stuff, sadly. Aww. Uh, we got a trailer for Demon Slayer, the Hinokami Chronicles. Uh, j- basically, just some new gameplay for that game because Sega is the one who are localizing that. And we got a brand new trailer for Lost Judgment, which makes me hype because fucking Judgment is a phenomenal game. All the Yakuza games are great, and Lost Judgment is looking fantastic, and I am super excited for it. You can walk a dog, <laughs> and it's a Shiba, and he'll also fight for you, and it's great. I, I, I want to play, and it comes out September twenty fourth. I am excited. Like, but can you pet the Shiva? Yes. Can you feed it? Ooh, possibly. Don't know. Okay. I hope you okay. can. I am mostly sold right now. Uh, we then got a new trailer for Death Stranding director's cut, showing off all the new things that the game is adding, like a whole revamped combat system. New things to place in the world to make traveling easier and delivering your packages. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to play it still, but hey, if you wanted to play Death Stranding, it looks a lot better. You should probably get this version over the original version. Most likely. And that comes out on September 24th as well. Uh, and then lastly, uh, this is what they kind of like uh, teased the whole show. This was like the big thing that they were going to talk about was more Deathloop. Because we haven't seen Deathloop in a while since it got delayed last year or the year before that. I think it was last year. But we finally got a new trailer for Deathloop. It comes out September 14th. That's its new release date. And I think it's going to stay that way. I think it's going to come out that day. And uh, like they like all the other Deathloop trailers, they showed off uh, you going through the level how you can do certain things and uh, with one of the eight people that you're supposed to assassinate to get out of the loop. Hmm. And yeah, it looks cool. I'll probably, I, I, I think I want to play it. It looks good enough. I'm excited for it. I've been excited for it for a while. Hmm. Have you been excited for it since the first time they announced it? Yeah, honestly, like the concept for it looked really cool. And, you know, the more they showed, I'm like, yeah, I, th- I want to get this game. And uh, then it got delayed. I'm like, okay, I should probably just wait a bit. And uh, now it's getting close. I'll probably pick it up. Don't know if it'll be day one n- anymore, but uh, definitely going to pick it up. Hmm. And that was it for your regular regular ga- video game news. As for the world of TCG in the Pokemon uh, Evolving Skies, their next TCG pack comes August 27th as the next official expansion. Uh, there's also the Pokemon Celebrations that's kind of all over the place with certain things. They've like reprinted some Charizard cards. There's a lot of cool things going on for that. You can check the Pokemon TCG website for more of those. In the world of Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, some upcoming TCG releases for that are Synchro Storm coming July 15th, the Cyber Strike decks on July 30th, Animation Chronicles on October 1st, as well as Brothers of Legend, Burst of Destiny, Destiny on October 22nd, and the box set Maximum Gold El Dorado November 19th. And also they showed off uh, the Egyptian God figurines that uh, they're releasing for like 250 bucks a piece. Wow. Um, they actually had a little video showcase for them. It looked cool. 
I'm not gonna spend that much money though. <laughs> Two fifty each. Yeah, um, I believe it's Slifer comes out in October, Obelisk mm. in November, and Raw in December. Or it's or it was uh, November, December, and January. I can't remember the exact. Mm. But uh, the only one, one I would go for Slifer personally. Mm-hmm. I like all three, uh, but yeah, I mostly lean towards Slifer. <laughs> Uh, and for Magic the Gathering, uh, we got some pre-releases for physical copies of the Adventure in Forgotten Realms coming July 16th. Uh, they launch officially on the 23rd, um, and I believe they're already in Magic the Gathering Arena, or they're coming close. They're coming to Magic the Gathering Arena really soon. And that's it for TCG. For board game news, World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King is going to be adapted into a pandemic-type board game. Which is cool. Uh, uh, I haven't played many of the pandemic games. Uh, what do you mean by a pandemic board game? Um, have you ever played the game Pandemic? It's kind of like where you like. I think it's the one where you infect the world. Uh-huh. So I think it's gonna be like that, but you're trying to take over the world. Hmm. Um, okay. And also, Super Mario getting a new board game, the Game of Life Super Mario Edition. Oh wow! Okay. That sounds awesome. So uh, basically, uh, it's it's life, the classic life with the spinning wheel, going to college. Although I wonder how you go to college in the Mushroom Kingdom. They haven't really specified. This game is the lore we need. (laughs) (laughs) This will tell us how Mario got his plumbing start. (laughs) And how he got his doctorate. Exactly. medical. (laughs) I forget he has that sometimes. Um, and that's uh, the weekend review. Any final thoughts on the things, Gail? Uh, I'm excited for that Mario board game. Absolutely. And I'm also curious to see how, like, like a lot of the new art, I don't know if they've shown it off for the Pokemon TCG. I love the new art in the cards whenever they're revealed. I think oh, recently they revealed, I think it's for uh, an OCG set, but they revealed some of the Evolution card art for a certain set Ooh. coming soon. I remember That's seeing exciting. that. I can't remember what set it's for, but it's an OCG because it was all the Japanese cards. Mm-hmm. But it was some Evolutions. It looked really dope. Exciting. I gotta um, look that up. <laughs> um, and now we're gonna move on to what games are coming out Next week, here's what should be on your radar. From AAA titles to upcoming indies, here's what should be on your radar. No releases on Monday, as usual. Uh, but on Tuesday, we got Curve Space coming to the Switch, Where the Heart Leads for the PlayStations, Outsider Afterlife for the PC. On Wednesday, Sky Dome and Space Punks, for both for the PC. Thursday, Lost at Seas for the PlayStation 5, Series X, and PC. Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective comes to the Switch. Space Jam, A New Legacy comes to the Series X and Xbox One. uh, As it came out at the beginning of the month if you had Games Pass, but now it'll be free to play for everybody. It is a free game, by the way. Um, And on Friday, F1 2021 comes to everything except the Switch. And The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD comes to the Switch. Yay, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, not... I'm kind of excited. I never really got to play Skyward Sword, and the fact that it's, I... you know, has controller adaptability with it and doesn't rely on yeah. motion controls, I'll pick it up. As, as someone who did get to play Skyward Sword on the Wii when it originally came out, 
I'm not that fussed about the HD remake, to tell you the truth. I feel like it's one of those games that came out a little too recently to really need a remake. But it's nice that they're doing it without the the controller issues that prevented a lot of people from actually playing it. Yeah, very much so. But it also kind of makes sense that it's getting it, because you had uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask both get their 3D remake. Mm-hmm. Wind Waker and Twilight Princess both got their HD for the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And so ne- the next one that would make sense would be, at least for like the 3D titles, would be Skyward Sword. I agree. I still, I just personally feel like it's a little soon. Okay, yeah, fair, and, fair enough. Yeah, and, and just, I don't know. From what I've seen of Skyward Sword HD, the graphics just don't really feel differentiated enough to pull me in. Although, I will say, to its credits, I have heard there are a lot of good quality of life changes. Yes, and I think that's the big thing with this game. While they didn't add a lot of extra content like uh, Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD did, it's mostly to fix a lot of, like, the the quality of life stuff that the game had. One Mm -hmm. of the big ones that uh, Chugga Conroy specifically, if you ever watched his uh, Skyward Sword playthrough, uh... He legit had a counter for every time he had to relearn what uh, item he picked up was whenever he had to close the game and open it back up. <laughs> and I'm glad that, they, that it's a lot of nice quality of life fixes um, and uh, the new controller method. I'm excited for it. I never got to play the game, so I'm finally going to. I think you'll enjoy it. I, will, I won't say Skyward Sword wasn't an enjoyable game. It, it certainly was. And... Uh, one one last thing on this, the the Joy Cons, the Zelda themed Joy Cons they're releasing for this look fantastic. Okay, yes, that is also like another thing. I I have been gushing over those Joy Cons ever since they showed them off. I'm like, oh my god, I want those so bad. I re- I really hope there comes a way that I could buy them separately and to just have those because that's that's the prize is the Zelda Joy Cons yeah, for me. Like holy shit, those are sexy. <laughs> Like Absolutely. my like the blue and the gold just look so good together. Yeah. It it is it, just like mmm. It's, it's that meme or it's that it's that image and he's just got his hands on, on like from his neck to his like face. It's just like mmm. It's just yeah. that. Like that's that's where I'm at with those. <laughs> um another game I want to talk about, Space Jam, a new legacy, the game for the movie. I, I I looked at some gameplay. It's basically Shaq Fu, but LeBron James. <laughs> that sounds kind of funny. It, it is. Uh, it's free to play too if you have an Xbox. So uh, if you ha- if you're an Xbox player out there, grab the game because it's free to play, and let us know how it is. Like, h- how does LeBron James feel? Like, do you feel like you're LeBron James? Let us know. <laughs> Um, and with that, uh, that's uh, what should be on your radar. It's time for us to uh, jump into our main topics for the day this week in the Game Lounge. This week in the Game Lounge, Tony covers a variety of topics with his weekly guest. And uh, for our first topic, uh, Gail, I'll let you take it away. All right. So for this one, I'm going to be talking about my favorite game genre of all time. Role-playing games. Woo! <laughs> Let's go! <laughs> Personally, 
role playing games have always been like a big impact in my life and just it just how they how they present and hold themselves up comparatively to other games they have their ups and their downs compared to other genres so in general rpgs tend to be much longer than other games which then means they're more of an investment to get into and also they're depending on the kind of game they can be more like complicated or tactical as opposed to something simple like you know a beat em up or maybe an fps kind of thing mm-hmm and that's something that I've always personally loved about them because while, yeah, they're a bit more of a commitment because of that, they have more time to like draw you in maybe like adding more gameplay features and building up fantastic stories. It's, it's a lot of re- like similar reasons for us is like why people love something like Zelda, you know, sometimes they can branch off into like adventure territories or sometimes tactics. It's there's, there's just so much that they could do. And some of my favorite ones happen to like very completely differently from each other. So, for example, one of the most common known RPG series ever, Final Fantasy. Classic. Yes. That series itself is a perfect example because it's tried so many of these different styles of gameplay before, while still always having that crisp quality in its story that's just so enjoyable. So um, you got your classic turn-based for like the first seven. Actually, I, I think it was like it was the first four or five. And yeah. Then for or or did it go up till six? Where I it was still turn-based. It was, it was turn-based. Actually, no. Excuse me. It was s- semi-turn-based. It was more, I suppose, action time battle because. Um, yeah. Yeah, because that's because I know that seven was seven and eight were very action time battle. Yeah, I believe it was only Final Fantasy three and Final Fantasy ten that are strictly pure turn based. Like enemies will never attack you while it's your turn, and you can take as much time as you want in the menus to like decide what you want to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, they've de- yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like look at. Look at your Final Fantasy games, play them, and tell us which ones are which again, because there's a lot. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But they're all fantastic in their own ways. One through five are all sort of like classic world exploration. You save a crystal, or like, you don't save a crystal, but like you, <laughs> you collect uh, the you crystals. buy a crystal and like save the four elemental crystals and defeat a big baddie at the end. And. You know, they, they can take various turns with how they do it. But, um, and that's what you see in all the classics. But then you get to something like, say, Final Fantasy 15, and you can see how the gameplay differs tremendously because it's far more action based. It's far more like real time. It's, it's also way more modernized in the yeah. setting as well. It's a road trip with your bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I played a little bit of 15 uh, back when it was on PlayStation now. And I played it like the day before it was taken off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, this is all right. And then it was off the next day. I'm like, oh, I can't play that anymore. Damn. Yeah. Sad. Sad. I still wish they had finished the, all the DLC packs for 15 personally. They didn't finish them all? What? No, only they planned for four DLC episodes to be released, and they only managed to release one of them before the head director quit the project. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because I I know that there's like the episode for like each of the other three Prompto, um, Ignis, Ignis and Gladio. And and then there was uh, episode Arden. Yes. 
So like there were plans for like a lot of a lot more DLC than we got, and I I really wish they had finished it personally. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then moving on from something like Final Fantasy, you've also got like the Persona series, which beautifully blends other elements of RPGs. So like time management and real life association skills. Cause like you see this in things like your confidants and your social links versus, and like it still blends traditional combat in with like elemental attacks and turn-based abilities and everything when you're like exploring the battle areas, you know? Yeah. And I've, uh, I've recently, recently, like it was like, uh, well, I guess it was like last year now that I played persona five for the very first time with with persona five Royal. As mm. If you're going to go into the Persona series for the first time, grab like Persona Five Royal or Persona Four Golden or uh, Persona Three FES because they're the mm-hmm. more complete versions of the game. Yeah, with just how much they add on to the game. And I'm currently playing through Persona Four Golden right now, actually. Oh, nice! I'm looking to start that one soon. Personally, it's 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 fun right now. I just finished the first. Uh, it's not really a palace more mm-hmm. of like just like a I, I call it a dungeon i guess more than a palace. Uh, chapter I, yeah i guess chapter i guess yeah but uh yeah, i basically finished off the first dungeon entirely and i'm uh in may for the game hmm. all right i've heard um persona 4 golden has like a lot of like it focuses less on its um gameplay elements and focuses more on its characters and story yeah yeah um from what i've heard as well like and playing it i can definitely see that persona 4 has like the best characters of all of Mm -hmm. the three persona games people talk about because sadly people don't talk about persona 1 and 2 enough because they're hard to play nowadays but uh 4 has the best characters 5 has the best combat 3 has the best story Hmm. That's what I've heard, and watching I've watched the anime for all three of them, uh, and uh, I definitely need to play three to really kind of get that experience because the anime doesn't do three justice, and I mm-hmm. it's not great. Yeah, the anime for Persona Five didn't do that one justice either. <laughs> I did. Yeah, you. after playing it and then going to watch the anime, I'm like, yeah, it's not as good. It's just not. It's not great. <laughs> The quality was mostly in the final in the final few episodes, if you ask me. Yeah, I like the OVAs. The uh, oh. what was it? The True Justice OVA for Persona Five, where it's like Ren reflecting on a a, a catchy uh, mm-hmm. after a certain event happens in the game. Um, yeah, and then uh, ob- the be- the best OVA, the Valentine's Day OVA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, personally, I am a one woman kind of guy and I stick with my waifu Makoto. Okay. Uh, Makoto gang. Heck yes. Uh, (laughs) As I went to, uh, yeah, I picked Makoto too. It was, it came, um, it came down between her and Hifumi and I'm like, nah, Mm. I'm going to take Makoto. Yeah. Hifumi's the one character I wish got more screen time than just a confidant. I wish she was like a main party member. I think there were plans. I think I was watching a Digino gaming. There were like plans to have her as one. <sighs> if only. If only. But yeah, Persona is great, and it's definitely like it's a good. 
really dope me- mechanics around like the life simulation part as well as the just the it's a cl- more classic turn-based RPG when it's down to the combat but it's mm-hmm. still fucking fun. And speaking of classic uh turn-based RPGs that are really fucking fun, Dragon Quest 11. Heck yes. So I have you played it before? I, so I had never played a Dragon Quest game, and then back when, like, what year was it? 2017, 2018, when like every Nintendo Direct was featured Dragon Quest Eleven S, they went mm-hmm. hard on that fucking advertising campaign. I'm like, you know what? There's a free trial for it. I'm gonna pick it up, give it a try, and then eight hours after the trial ends, I'm like, holy shit, that was a long trial. I'm oh, invested yeah. in this. I'm pre-ordering the game. Pre-order the game, go. and I fucking go through it it was a fun time man absolutely that's what i love to hear when i first started playing dragon quest 11 um i got it on ps store for my ps4 i got the original version i think it was in 2016 um just because um i watched um a a big content creator i watched nairo play through it oh shit i didn't know nairo played through that yeah when it first came out because he played it in the japanese version when he was visiting japan um, before it even got like uh, localization the, oh, here in the states. Okay, wow. And he was playing through it in English when it did get localized, and I was like, "This game looks phenomenal." So I played it originally myself. I enjoyed every second of it. I got up to the very, very end, right before I beat like the. I, I don't want to spoil anything, but I beat the post game boss, and I was about to beat like I was about to start that battle, and then I see Dragon Quest Eleven S come out. And I'm like, okay, now I should probably hold off on this and then get the true satisfaction from the definitive version because I know I'm going to rebuy it. <laughs> and did you? Absolutely. I bought it on Steam the second oh, time. Oh, okay. So just because Steam is a little bit more accessible to me because I can take my, my laptop anywhere I go. Yeah. As opposed to just um my PS4 that I have to you know, be at home for. Mm-hmm. But... I bought it twice, and I don't regret it at all. That game is absolutely phenomenal. It really the is. The quality of life changes in the definitive version make it worth a rebuy, especially if you can find a sale for it. Yes, very much so. And like it's with how long it's been out now, it's now on everything the uh, definitive edition is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can now find it a bit on sale, come here and there, depending on where you look. I've seen it on sale on the PlayStation Store and other places. But yeah, it's... Fuck it! It was it's such a good game, and the one thing I regret is I still haven't beaten like the true final boss. Mm. I'm at that fight. And so I you're could, at the same point I was, huh? And I never finished it. I never finished. Go it. back, dude. I should go you back will, and do it. I really oh. should. But yeah, that's the one thing I need to do. Mm-hmm. But man, fuck! It's a great game. Um, if you have a gambling addiction, I wouldn't say I would say maybe don't play it because there is a casino, and yeah. boy did that ruin me because I'm like I want every fucking weapon in this game, and there are some that are exclusive to the casino. I need to hit a jackpot, baby. Ah, uh, yeah, I know that feeling. That's the only part of most RPGs that I don't enjoy is whenever you get a casino section. Especially if the game is hard to win, or if it's like a, a game I'm not used to playing. Because, um, you know, how sometimes they have like real life card games or slots or things like that. And sometimes they only have fictional games that make literally no sense. So, 
it's it's always a hard time for me when I get to the casino levels, but I try to just 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 manage on what I need to and not stick around there too long, even if I need to do it for like a hundred percent, because eh, it it saps for me. Yep. Yep. But it, uh, it's but, a great game. Great game. Yeah. Overall, Dragon Quest Eleven is, in my opinion, is the perfect example of what a traditional JRPG would be like if in a modern setting. Yes. Because without even touching on the most enticing and entrancing aspects, like the story and absolutely the graphics, because, oh my lord, those graphics, dude. But without going into too much on those, it is the perfect example of what a traditional RPG would look like in a modern age. And uh, that Dragon Quest uh, Three remaster is coming soon. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, the art design is uh, the same as Octopath Traveler. Oh, that's fantastic! I really did enjoy Octopath personally. I never, even if I know it got rather mixed reviews. I never got to play it. Don't know if I will. But Dragon Quest Three, after playing through Eleven, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of invested in this franchise a bit now. I'll pick up Dragon Quest Three remake. That's actually a pretty smart decision now that I think about it, because uh, like most newer Dragon Quest fans wouldn't know this, but a lot of the like later, later parts of Dragon Quest Eleven kind of hinge on a lot of important things that happen in Dragon Quest Three. So it, it makes sense with how popular Eleven is that Three was the one they chose to remake. And then, of course, Dragon Quest Twelve is uh, got announced and is coming soon. <laughs> and by soon, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I would not expect a game like that until being being generous 2023. Yeah. I would say 2023 for Japan. Yeah. And then 2024 for the West. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine because here's the thing with, with RPGs. They always hit, like, the ones that hit up to, like, the upper echelons, like S tier, you got your Persona 5, your Dragon Quest Eleven, your um, Final Fantasy Fourteen. The ones that hit that highly, how do you top it, you know? As a developer, how would you, how would you top your prior work when it's already, like, considered the pinnacle of it, of the genre, you know? Uh, I, I got an answer. It may not be the right answer, but I got an answer. Basically, you do the same thing. Copy and paste. Just put some new, a fresh paint of code on it, and then you add one new thing. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that, that's a way to do it, I guess. You're right. <laughs> that's how you top it. That's how you top it. There is... that's And that and you do that for every installment afterwards. Because mm-hmm. there's no... It's, it's like... That's all you can do. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want to venture too far off the formula, but you also don't want yourself to get stale, so... I mean, if you want to venture off the formula, that's what spinoffs are for. Yeah, fair enough. And let me think. Another RPG that I am personally a huge, huge fan of, and I'm sure many, many people are now because of a recent addition to Smash Bros., uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yes, the Xenoblade Chronicle, Chronicles games. Mm-hmm. A franchise I have never touched. Tony, no! Yeah, so I, in, here's the thing. Like, I wanted to get into Xenoblade. I really did. And so I'm like, okay, you know what? I need. To, there's only one person I know who could probably try to get me into this. And it's one of my favorite content creators out there is Chugga Conroy, mm. who did a wonderful job 
let's doing his let's play for Xenoblade Chronicles one and covering literally everything that game had to offer. And so I'm watching that and I watch it and I'm like, I don't like this combat. I mm. really can't get into that combat and I could not bring myself to play it. Yeah, hate to hear it. And that's it's kind of why, where I'm at with Xenoblade. But I love to hear people talking about it. I still think that they're really cool games with really cool stories and everything. But the mm-hmm. combat is just the one big draw for me that I can't. I'm like, nah, I can't, dude. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Um, while the combat in Xenoblade 1 is definitely a distinctive point, the combat in Xenoblade 2 is actually extremely different. Yes, I have heard that. And I... And I've also heard that it was it's hard to learn, and the tutorials mm. don't do it good. Yeah, that is a fair point. The tutorial system in Xenoblade Chronicles Two is very lacking. There's like little hints you can buy, believe it or not, by paying in-game money to like certain certain shops and things. And it's like I don't know why it's designed that way. I'm sorry, you, you have can't... to buy the tutorial. Yeah, you have I'm to, sorry, it, what? It's not, even, it's not even the tutorial proper, by the way. It's like you buy a hint, which is just like one text box of it. And sometimes that hint is completely useless. It's I don't know why it, why it was handled this way. And it's not like you can go back into a prior menu to look at tutorials over um, outside of the DLC expansion, of course, because yes, they had to do that. Oh, yeah, right, because uh, Country of Torna is basically its own game. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you're playing Xenoblade 2, do yourself a favor and get Torna. Just do it. I, that's that's one thing. I've not heard a lot about Torna. Not heard, a, like, bar- I've heard barely anything about that one. That is mostly for spoiler reasons, if I had to guess, because I know the Xenoblade Chronicles community is very protective of its spoilers, because... You, the story is such an important selling point for the series that if if common spoilers were like around, it would probably ruin a lot of people's interests into the game early on. So that's probably why you don't hear too much talk of Torna, which is but fair enough. I, it's kind of like that say, with Persona as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Persona is another series that probably wants to keep its major spoilers to itself. But um, what I will say regarding Torna is that. Everything of it is a step up from the base game. So any complaints you may have from like the base game, so like messy tutorials, maybe too much equipment availability, maybe um, slow combats, or you maybe couldn't find proper resources in time. All of that is fixed within Torna. So they made it easier to do basically everything. They upped the tutorial system. So it's a lot better explained and it's, you can review it. They also improved movement, so it's a little bit faster paced. Um, the combat itself, it works better. Everything you can imagine is obviously better in the DLC. And it just it shows you that they went the extra mile to make the DLC episode worth getting, even though it is kind of its own standalone game. And it's, it's lovely to see, you know? Nice. Now, where does Xenoblade Chronicles X fall in all of this? <laughs> That, I could not tell you, because while I own Xenoblade Chronicles X, I never got around to playing it. Really? It's unfortunately exclusive to the Wii U at the moment, and I think that's one of the biggest things holding it back. It's one of the last, uh, fun fact, I think it's now one of the last, like, 
less than 10 exclusive Wii U titles that the Wii U has now mm-hmm. <laughs> that were first-party Nintendo stuff. Unfortunately. What I can tell you about Xenoblade X is that it's a, it's a very exploration-heavy game. And rather than focusing mostly on um, on if story or anything like that, it's extremely gameplay-focused. It's rather an odd direction for the Xenoblade series to go in, considering how heavily story-focused the other two are. But that's that's what I do know of it. I know I the one thing I know about Xenoblade Two is that its soundtrack was done by uh, Sawano Hiroyuki, who mm. is an amazing Japanese composer who has done worked on such anime shows like Attack on Titan. Uh, I mean, look if you just look up his discography, it's every song he produces is a masterpiece. <laughs> that's certainly that's certainly impressive. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. One of my favorite Japanese artists that I that I listen to when he releases like uh, uh, non video game music and stuff, but like mm-hmm. even his, it's it's all good. It's it's top tier stuff. Ten out of ten. Chef's kiss. Uh, kiss a homie check. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's a perfect note for me to for me to mention this. I can't believe I have not even gushed about RPG music up to now. It's always top tier. Every RPG always has at least minimum three good songs that you will probably want to keep and you're probably going to want to jam out to on your own time sometime. Maybe when you're driving, maybe when you're in the shower, maybe when you're cleaning, doing whatever. RPG music always hits. It always does. It, it mm-hmm. really does. And it's definitely like one of the great things about our like, especially for longer games. It's like if 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 you don't have good music, then it's gonna drive you mad playing through these long ass games. Yes, and that's honestly that's one of the advantages to being um a long long game, like you just said, because you're listening to the songs more or more often, depending on if it's like area music or if it's like a battle song it sticks with you longer and like the emotional impact that the music has on you stays and like it gets amplified the more you hear the song which is probably going to happen because you know it's a longer game so it has a longer time to like make that impression which like it only further helps build up the story or the mood of whatever the moment is it's it's beautiful it's art in a, in like a beautiful way that like music and visuals come together beautifully in like a game that on, in a way that only a game could do you know Absolutely. It's also... I'm going to bring up an example here. Persona 5, Royal specifically. Um, there's a... With the game, you get like... Uh, if you get like the deluxe version, it comes with all the DLC. You get outfits. And if you change... Uh, I think I don't know if it's all of those or if you just at least change uh, Joker's outfits. It'll play a different battle music depending on the outfit. Yeah, that's just Joker's, by the way. It is just Joker's? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Which is nice, especially when you get, like, tired of listening to uh, Last Surprise or uh, TakeOver constantly. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, I want to listen to something better. You t- you put on your C's outfit, and it just starts playing Mass Destruction. Or you put on the Yasugami High outfit, it's playing Time to Make History. Or you just put on your dance outfit, and it just starts playing, uh, what's it called, Groovin', I think, or Let's Groove. Uh, mm-hmm. the p5 dancing theme and it's just so great that was definitely a nice addition when i i did not get the deluxe version of royal but when i played the original version of persona 5 
um, like I think a year before Royal came out, I was always juggling between my uh, my Persona 3 DLC and my regular outfits because one, I like all the design of the DLC costumes, especially for Joker. And two, I get to juggle the music. It's awesome. It is. It really and is. And also, um, to segue back to Dragon Quest XI for like a quick sec, uh, if you get the definitive version, one of the best things they did was make it so you can have the Dragon Quest VIII overworld theme. And that completely changes the experience. It sounds like the smallest thing, but it changes it tremendously. Because um, the Dragon Quest XI overworld theme has more of a marching, you're on a heroic quest, you're, um, you know, you have like a mission statement and like you're chasing a goal. You know, it, it's got more of a like a determination kind of feel to it. But the Dragon Quest VIII overworld theme, on the other hand, has more of a serene exploration focused, like, yeah, you're on a you're on a mission. You are like you are going through the world with the intentions to save it from, you know, the Lord of Darkness and everything. But it has this serene feel that's like, yeah, you're doing all that. But feel free to just stop and take in the world, explore at your own pace and have fun it's it's got like the perfect blend of exploration mixed with um, motivation to just keep you going, and because you hear it so much, like I said, it it has all the time it needs to to leave a good impression on you, and that overall makes the game just have a different feel to it than it would if you had the other song. It's it's amazing what music can do. Uh, now, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, and I feel like now would be the best time to bring it up before we move on to the next topic. Uh, tr- trails of... What was it again? Cold Steel? Yes. Trails of Cold Steel. Okay, so what is this game? I have, I've seen you play it on stream a bit, uh, but I don't, I don't really know what it is. Okay. So the best way I can describe... Okay, do you know... I'm, I'm sure you know Kingdom Hearts, right? Yes. Uh, I'm very familiar with it. Uh, played every game, platinumed five of the titles, I think. Impressive. I've only platinumed two of them. Which ones? But, um, Which ones you got? <laughs> uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix. Okay, I don't have the Birth by Sleep one yet. I oh, have okay. uh, 1, 2, 3, Chain, and Melody. Impressive. Chain sucks, by the way. Don't uh, f- platinuming chain sucks. It's oh. a hit or miss. You see, here's the First thing: chain three... is fine, aside from leveling up your character to ninety nine. Everything else is yes. fine. Yes, that's that's a pain. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but um, so you know how Kingdom Hearts is super story focused to the point that if you skip a game here or there. You might. Oh yeah, it's like, it's like if you miss more. one game, you're like, "Who the fuck is that guy? What the fuck is this? What do they mean?" Yeah, that's that's one of the weaknesses of RPGs, just being too story focused sometimes, especially when they tie in in like a beautiful series kind of thing. No more. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Trails is another series heavily like that, where you can get into it without having the prior pieces. It's not so. Uh, so stuck like like Kingdom Hearts is, where all nine or ten Kingdom Hearts games link into one. I think it's eleven. I think arc. it's eleven now. Ah, wow. Um, with Trails, there are currently nine games out, oh. and they're branched off into like sagas. Oh, okay. they do have one 
overarching plot, but there's like three major sagas in between. So it's like Star Wars. I suppose. Uh, just like to, so it's like Kingdom Hearts met Star Wars in the sense of a story. <laughs> I suppose. Um here's the thing. So like the first 3 Trails games all focus in one country. Okay. The next two focus in another. Okay. And then the last four focus in another. Oh, okay. Yeah. And all of them do have, like, interconnections. So, like, some, one of them takes place before the other two, and then the other two take place at the same time, like, within the game timeline. Okay. And the the series focuses heavily on, like, world building and interactions between both political and social, like, classes and things to really drive home the point that like this is its own world and every time you play a new arc you're always in the perspective of a new main character in a new country that always has a different occupation to the one prior oh so for example the the first arc is called trails in the sky and you play as what's called a bracer which you think of it sort of like a mercenary Except you do have the power to arrest people, but only if they're, like, directly attacking other people. So, like, if they're blatantly committing, like, violent crimes. So you're sort of... So it's like, like citizen's the... arrest, more or less. Yes, something like that. So you don't, ha- you don't have any direct political power or anything, but if someone is committing blatant crimes, you do have the power to, to like, make arrests. And beyond that, you your main goal is to, like, preserve the peace of the citizenry, help out others by taking jobs and making money that way. And as you slowly do this, you like uncover a major plot. Um, And I'm not going to go into details about it because the main major plot is like the draw of the series for sure. And um, in the second arc, you play as an actual police officer. So, and in probably the single worst political situation you can ever think of, like, you could think of many horrible political situations in all of fiction. I promise you it will not be nearly as bad as what happens in that arc. And that's it's a major draw to to that arc, for sure. And the fact that you play as a police officer means dealing with all the challenges from a horrible political climate is part of your job. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. It puts it it does a fantastic job of putting you in the perspective to like help you put to to help build the world it wants which is absolutely what i love about that series and then finally the last arc that has four games which is my personal favorite trails of cold steel that arc you take the perspective of you guessed it a high school student <gasps> let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's incredibly different because you no longer have any kind of direct power. You don't you don't have the power to arrest anybody. You don't have the power to um, influence anything around you. Instead, you just sort of see what it's like to get pushed around by the bigwigs of your world and slowly gain power to like answer back as as just what a civilian could do. Which which it's honestly the most relatable of the arcs because being real with you, most people are civilians. They're not police. They're not mercenaries because we don't have those in modern life, you know. And it's because of that, it's by far the most relatable of them, of the arcs, for me anyway. But it's still, it's it's such a fantastic series, dude. I could, I could go on literally forever about all the details. So Trails of Cold Steel is the four game uh, saga within this. Yes. So what are the, so I'll assume that the other ones are Trails of something else. 
Or is yes, it all cold? They, or is they it all, all have like different? Steel? They have different middle words. So the first one is trails in the sky. The second one, the second arc is trails from zero. Um, and that that one is has like a duology split. The second game in that one is called Trails to Azure. <laughs> yeah, and then the the third arc is Trails of Cold Steel. So it's. They have like different. It's it's not like tales of. It's not like the tales games where it's tales of Symphonia, tales of yeah. Uh, what all the other ones? We did actually talk about the tales games in an earlier episode of this podcast with Ponage. So, uh, th- shout out to that episode uh, if you're interested nice. in us talking about tales. But this is trails. Mm-hmm. There's an R. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the newest games that just got announced are Trails into Reverie, which is like this massive celebration game of like that has all the main characters from every prior game. Oh shit. That it's, it's like a fan here. service game, you know? Oh, it's okay. It's the fan. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. This. It's like all of them come together. I honestly can't tell you much about the plot because I haven't played it. And I'm personally avoiding spoilers like the plague. <laughs> but what I can tell you is that if you do make the commitment to get into this nine game arc or this nine game series so far, you are in for one of the best best times you could have because like the combat is extremely unique even among turn-based rpgs where it combines elements of a lot of different things so it's sort of got like 3d area based for the later games earlier games are 2d but even then the area of effect still sort of puts you on this tactical tile-based field if you've ever played fire emblem you'll kind of know what i'm talking okay, about okay so it's a an uh oh what is it it's srpg i think is what it is yeah yeah it's like that for the older 2d games but for the 3d games it's like a full-on 3d arena and um it does a fantastic job combining elements of like real time because you can see a turn order bar and you see how your actions influence it it's also got unique like a very unique craft system which is different from what your what your usual attacks are it uses like a separate mana bar compared to like magic and other things. And not only not only that, it does it just it does a fantastic job of just combining a lot of other combat elements from various other RPGs. The only one it doesn't combine a lot of is action. Cause action RPGs are, are like way different from like turn based. You know. Okay. Very interesting. I'll definitely maybe try to check these out. Um, at the least, I'll definitely try to watch some gameplay of it to kind of see the feel for these games. For sure. There's so, so much detail. Like, it not only is the turn-based action kind of reminiscent of other phenomenal RPGs, but the story is no slouch either. You know how Xenoblade Chronicles is famous for its world building? Yes. Trails does that too. Oh, awesome. And I would say... It does as good as, if not a very slightly better job of it than Xenoblade would. Alrighty, alrighty then. Is there any? It's, it's that good, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add about RPGs before we move over to the second topic? Uh, let me think. Hmm. I suppose since I just briefly mentioned it earlier, the only real weakness to real big RPGs. One, because they can be very long, they are a pretty big commitment. Yes. And two, some of them tend to tie in in like a big story web that 
if you get into all the pieces, is extremely satisfying, like nothing else. But if you're missing a piece, suddenly it all falls apart. So be cautious of that. <laughs> but otherwise, oh my lord, this is such a phenomenal genre. And I'm so happy that it's been as impactful for me as it has. Absolutely. And with that, it's time for us to switch gears and jump to the other side of video games. Talk about Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> so you, how long have you been, I'll start with this. How, how, how long have you been playing competitive Smash? About four to five years at this point. Oh, nice. Uh, so what did you start with then? I started in Smash 4. Okay. Well, uh, Smash for Wii U. Yes, but yeah, we all call it Smash. A lot of people call it Smash Four. I even call it Smash Four at this point because I'm not going to call it Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U and 3DS. No, yeah, that's, no. that's a mouthful. <laughs> it's too too many words for me to get my point across. Um, yeah, no, we we all knew the the pun as soon as Sakurai announced what the game was called. Yeah, four. <laughs> um, so uh, with. Mostly with COVID, then, uh, with especially now with with Ultimate, it kind of changed the the scene of competitive uh, Smash Bros. Mm-hmm. Having to switch between in person events to online events for well over a year and a half, it was a massive blow to the competitive scene. I can probably imagine. to the entire fighting game scene in general. Yeah, honestly. Uh, I feel like some games probably had it better, mostly because they had better online. Yeah. Because uh, when you talk about Smash Bros, one thing that's always brought up is it's online and it's uh, absolutely and how, how it's uh, how it's been a, a bit yikes at times. Uh, yeah. I, I won't the even... online system in Smash Ultimate is basically famous at this point for how awful it is, despite patch attempts at fixing it. Yeah, how many? It's it's. So now, but now locals coming back, COVID's mm-hmm. coming out. So how has the adjustment process been? For me personally, it's going smooth, but I know it's going to take a while to like completely shake off the rust of online era. Yeah, because it's very. Would you say it's very different playing uh, offline to online? Yes. Most fighting games, to give you a perspective, most fighting games only have about a three-frame max difference between their online and offline input delay. Oh, that's not too bad. So for those of you who don't play Smash or really any fighting games, there's a certain amount of time that it takes for when you push a button on your controller for your character to perform the action. We call that an input delay. In Smash, the base input delay, no matter how good your controller is, no matter how... um, how well your um your monitor is for when it displays it always takes a minimum of about five frames for your input to reach your character for them to do what you told them to most fighting games only have one of around like three so already that's something and then ultimate online usually makes that like any any online system will usually make it worse for most fighting games it's only a difference of about a frame or two with Ultimate Online, do you want to take a crack at how bad it is, Tony? Well, okay, let me think here. Okay, so from what I've played and with what I've experienced with like going pure online and not doing like rooms with some friends who are all in the same city and it's not as bad, 
I'll say 10 frames. Close. Very close. It's 11. Oh! Yeah, that's a th- very close. Good guess. That's a... Uh... Uh, what does Smash that Bros. Is, run natively? Is it a is it a six is it a sixty frame or a thirty frame? It is a sixty frame game. Okay, so that's a, only a sixth of how long. For, that's it's still not great. That's still not great. It's abysmal, actually. <laughs> the, uh, no, no, no. That that's eleven innate frames, no matter what it is. But then you factor in. Nintendo online services and connection times that are variable between you and the distance between you and your opponent. Yeah. Which makes it worse. <sighs> A lot worse. Well, hey, at least it's not like Super Smash Bros. Brawl online. Am I right? <laughs> the funny thing is, I actually think Brawl online may be arguably better. Arguably. Yikes. Yeah. That's, oh, that's, a, that's a big yikes. Yeah, Brawl Online was horrible at finding you an opponent. Ultimate, at least you can find an opponent. But oh my lord, it's not at all the same game. Because because of this innate input delay being over double of what it is offline. No matter how fast you press things or how fast um, your internet is, even if you use an Ethernet LAN adapter, you're still looking at minimum at least like 13 frames of delay, which makes reacting to things online with how fast paced a game ultimate is near impossible to do. Yeah, I can imagine. Because human reaction time already is about like even, even the most generous reaction times I would say is at least 13 frames. If not a little more, I'd say maybe even like 15 for the average person. And then you that's that's um that's auditory reaction time by the way which is a little bit faster than your visual reaction time oh shit visually yeah visually it'd be even slower so you need to see what your opponent does or where they're positioning themselves and then react to where they're positioning themselves to then input it which is another like 11 to 13 frames delay because online And there you go. Your opponent will probably not even be where you reacted to where they were going to be at all. It it just overall makes online a horrible experience competitively. Yeah, that's... Oh, my God. I feel... I am so sorry you had to experience that. (laughs) Thank you, man. I I appreciate it. Like, I play Smash casually. I... With my skill level, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably, like, one of the better people out of my friend group. But I'm like... I can never do what the pros do because of like just how much fucking it's so input heavy. Yeah, you know? it really is. And I'm just here pressing the B button and jumping all over the place like wee. <laughs> yeah. And the worst thing is because of online it let, let me give you an example. Certain characters are much faster than others. So characters that are like super fast, like Fox or Sheik or um, Joker, even they're they're fast. Not only that, but they also press a lot of buttons. And imagine that delay factoring in for every single button oh. per, button press you do. Oh. It it hurts. Oh. But then you compare that to someone like say Ganondorf or Bowser, where they're slow but they're strong. 
and they push less buttons because they're strong and slow. So they innately get like an upper hand boost to that. And and like you can sort of see how this changes and and then add add projectiles into the mix. Oh god. Yeah, now you're starting to see how online can basically become an entirely different game compared to offline. Yeah, that, it kind of changes the whole uh, tier list system a bit, giving an edge to the bigger heavy hitters and having the faster players need to readapt to re- basically relearn frame timing and shit like that. Mm-hmm. God. It, it, nerfs, it nerfs the players more than anything. It does affect characters innately because of some, how the way some of their kits work, but it nerfs players more than anything. And yeah, it it was a rough time for all of us. Having to do that for a year and a half is, uh, yeah. How many tournaments did you participate in that year and a half? Fortunately, I knew it was not going to be a good environment for my competitive mentality, and I kept it minimal. I only did two Wi-Fi tournaments. Oh, that's, well, that's not too that bad. It, it's yeah, I could definitely see uh, the mental toll that could take on you. Yeah, for for clarification, I'm a Fox player, so I play someone very fast and very button heavy, and I decided I don't want to stake any kind of competitive pressure on something like an unstable Wi-Fi connection. So, I I just I took I took a pass, really. Yeah. Um, so readapting has been going good. What's, uh, what's your first offline tournament going to be that you go back into? Do you know yet? Actually, I had my, um, I had my first couple of oh, offline tournaments well, last shit. week. Well, how, how did you do? And, uh, well, thoughts? I want to hear them. They went phenomenally for me. Um, one of the biggest things I was working on over quarantine personally was my mentality specifically for approaching tournaments and how much you value results because anyone who plays anything competitively one of the common traps you fall into is thinking that like the result determines everything so if you've ever done a tournament for anything you know like the higher you place the better you feel at the end of it right yeah that's that's a very common state of mind to go into a tournament with yeah but for fighting game tournaments that especially smash because it's a very volatile game that ends up being a pretty negative uh, mentality in the end, if you ask me. Yeah. So I worked mostly all of quarantine working on neglecting results and focusing only on specific parts of my play. So like, how good is my movement? How good are my attacks? And like, how good is my timing? All this and that, you know, just like the the minor things that one can really improve at. And because of uh, shifting from online to offline, it was like a complete shock when I finally got to play offline again, just having all my reactions restored, um, being able to trap opponents better with movements and pressure and all that. And I went ham, dude. <laughs> Let's go. Absolutely ham. My first tournament back, it was at this um, this bar, and it wasn't too stacked, but there were, there were a few heavy hitters from my city. Um, Texas is one of the more stacked Smash regions, especially here in the States. And uh, we had a couple of hitters there. And out of the 26 people who wins, I got fourth place. Yo, let's go. Yeah. I I was so close to third, too. I lost to a friend of mine who I practiced with through quarantine. And because we practiced, we knew each other super, super yeah, well. Yeah, so and from there, it's it, just like, oh, who, who yeah. knows each other it, better? <laughs> it could have gone either way between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And he edged me out. And he got third, but I'm still proud that my first tournament back after over a year and a half of 
basically being stunted, <laughs> I still was able to do it. I was still able to do well. Hell yeah. You love to see that. Mm-hmm. And um, my second tournament back, it went a little less well because as I'm sure you know, over quarantine, we got like four, well now five new DLC characters. Yeah, we got, and... we had, uh, who was it? We had Min Min, Speev, <laughs> Sephiroth, Pyramithra, and, and now Kazuya. Yep. And my second tournament back, I ran into two of them. I ran into Min Min, who ended my winner's bracket run. And then in losers, I ran into a Steve, who I was fortunately able to beat. Okay. And um, overall, I placed around like ninth in that tournament because there were a lot of upsets and more heavy hitters came. So I got like ninth out of 35 people, which I'm still I'm still okay. Still top 10. Like, honestly, that's still a really that's still a really good run. Yeah, I'm okay with it. And I still plan to just keep doing better, but. Not really aiming for results wise exactly. better, but you're aiming to improve yourself. Absolutely, and, and, and that's a that's great, that's, that's a huge, great mentality to go in with. Is like, it's like I, as long as I can perform better than I, like as long as I can perform good, and I'm happy with myself at the end of the day, I'm a winner. Yeah, that's the exact mindset. I hope people adopt more. It's a lot healthier too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> but um. Yeah, so my offline tournament adjustment has been going pretty well. Well, that's I'm great still going to focus on it for now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to avoid Wi-Fi like the plague if I can. <laughs> yeah, avoid just it, it, just don't touch it. Don't touch it. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't want to like readjust to Wi-Fi because I know my muscle memory is probably still more attuned to that right now because I've been playing it more. So, yeah, yeah, but just take. Get that time to practice with those offline matches against those level nine CPUs. And <laughs> speaking of, have you heard the uh, um? Have you heard all the memes of the Kazuya CPU? No, I have not actually. Someone unironically entered a level nine Kazuya CPU into a tournament offline, and the Kazuya CPU actually kind of wrecked face. It actually got a good win. I think. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Wow. Apparently, the Kazuya CPU likes to wreak havoc with with like all his new combo starters and the fact the character has like nineteen different grounded moves. Yeah, which no other character has that many, by the way. Yeah, he's uh, it's uh, something, and that actually mm-hmm. is a great segue to Kazuya being the most recent addition. Uh, what are your th- thoughts on Kazuya? He's one of those first reaction characters where I've. Honestly, when I saw everything in his kit, I thought he was going to be a serious problem. I thought the character had so many overtuned attributes, was essentially like DLC Ganondorf, but god tier. And then after a couple of times of fighting against him, I realize he's really not anywhere near that good. Yeah, I think his big drawback is his speed especially when absolutely when i was playing him specifically i'm like he feels like just like way slower than like even like some of the slow characters Mm -hmm. like and that's where i'm like like i love his 10 hit combo i love that Mm -hmm. but that's about it like everything else i'm just like he's very fucking slow the main problem with him is that speed 
he for reference he has a seven frame jump squat which is like the time it takes from when you input a jump for your character to actually like jump they like crouch down and then they like you know actually jump every character has a universal frame three jump squat so they get into the air very quick Kazuya is the only character in the game to have a frame seven one which is abysmal combine that with the fact that his his first jump is actually the shortest in the game yeah you gotta double jump to even get on a ledge his second jump by the way is also extremely slow and can only go straight up yeah he has to jump very high with those wings he can't like shift his direction with it like most characters can which means his aerial pressure is almost non-existent yeah, and that's really bad in a game where you're juggling between your ground and your air game a lot, like Smash. Yeah, it's the reason you see characters like Little Mac all the way down in bottom tier. Yeah, the, Little Mac has no aerial. It's all, it's all in his. Uh, he's compensating for something, and that mm-hmm. and that something is his uh, ability to perform. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like if this was a traditional fighter, which you know Kazuya is from. His kit would be a lot better yes. because it's for sure, but not in a platform and not in a platform kind of fire. Yeah. Uh, and with the DLC, like I said earlier, we were given four costumes, which at this point, me costumes kind of do mean everything. We only have one more character coming into the game. And me costumes mm-hmm. at this point are deconfirming characters. It's sad, dude. Sakurai basically took out a BB gun and was like, not you. Not you, not you, not you. So he, see ya, bitches. I will say this: uh, I I think nobody was expecting Dragonborn to even be like considered for this. So Dragonborn yeah, no, was that, that was the cool part of it all. Yeah, that one was just a cool me costume. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Lloyd, but, I can I understand the pain that some people feel. Yeah, but my thing I is mean, honestly, I was expecting it after Kazuya's reveal because you know, um, the the company is the same, right? Oh. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. It's Bandai Namco, yeah. Yeah, you would only get, like... Like, most people feel like a rule with third-party DLC is that you only really get, like, so many from each company. And usually if it's from one company, that means other reps from that same is disqualified. So it it was kind of like a hit, and then Lloyd just outright deconfirmed it yeah. with me. I mean, it's not the first time we've seen Lloyd as a DLC costume as well. And that's why I wasn't as surprised to see Lloyd there. Yeah, because he was the a fact that he was, was taking so form. long though. Yeah, the fact that it was taking so long had his had people's hopes up, but uh, yeah. there it is. And then let's get on to the big two, Dante and Shante. <laughs> <sighs> that one was like Shante. I'm not a big fan of personally. Not that I've ever like. Not that I dislike her series or anything. Mm-hmm. I've never played it. Yeah, same. But I have a friend who is extremely big on Shantae, who loves her so much. He, She is her, she is his, like, in his top two video games characters ever, along with Mega Man. And I felt so bad for my friend. But he took it in stride and was extremely happy anyway, because Shantae was, oddly enough, the only one to come with a music track. Yeah, and hey, we're getting Shantae music in the game, which is fine by me. At least, yeah. At least she's got something. Yeah. I'm a little surprised that Dante and Lloyd didn't, given that, you know, Devil May Cry. I mean, and Dante, was, was I can understand Dante because uh, his game is rated M, which is why it was uh, Super Smash Brothers cross Dante. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not Devil May Cry, because it's, it's, it's because of the rating system. 
That's yeah. And, and that's, why was like, that's why it was like that's why it was like that with Dragonborn, Vault Boy, um, and a lot of and uh, Altair. That's why it yeah, was the uh, other one across the character. That I could think of for that is a uh, Travis Touchdown. And Travis, yeah. Yeah, that was also a hit back in the day. Yeah, I I felt that one too. I was really hoping Travis would uh make, get his shot, but nah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well, too. We we won't see uh, Travis touchdown making sexual innuendo jokes to whoever he's fighting against. Sad. Yeah, and we won't get to see Dante versus Bayonetta. That would have been so hype. No, it looks like we only got to stick with the death battle. <laughs> <laughs> the question remains. Yeah, but uh, uh, kind of. Is there anything else you want to add about? Oh, actually, my one last question: Who would you like to see as the last DLC character? Oh, this one is hard, dude. The entire time, I kept my fingers crossed for Sora. And he... Originally, I think there was like some kind of deconfirmation notice from like either Nintendo or Square Enix. And because of that, my hope was dwindling. But then I see other phenomenal Square Enix characters get in. And I think, you know, there's, there's still a real shot. But we're on the final one. And then... We still have the deconfirmation, so it's like hard. It's hard for me to hope that it's really Sora. I think the big thing, and I think I read it somewhere, is that Sora's licensing rights, a part of them Disney owns. Yeah. And that's the um, big reason why Nintendo can't really get Sora, is because fucking Disney. <laughs> mm-hmm. Disney just owns life, man. <laughs> <laughs> they have the right to everything. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, as you as you said that, actually, I just got a call from Disney. Turns out we just got bought out by them. Uh, we can't oh. say we can't slide to them any. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Imagine. Imagine. I get a, I get the call from Mickey Mouse. Ho ho! You gotta shut the fuck up, boy. Ho ho! <laughs> oh god. Uh, I don't even. Honestly, I have no clue who I want anymore. Like, it's yeah. gotten to that point where it's also, like, I've fallen out of Smash a bit. Like, I'm still in and out a bit. But it's, like, I've gotten to the point where it's, like, I'm happy with whoever at this point. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be at least a little satisfied. Because we have I almost, like, 90 characters right now. Uh, yeah. I think so. It's yeah, like, if we're that. counting the Miis, I was, if, like, I mean, if you count, if you count each individual me costume that's a different character, it's well over 100. Yeah, no, no, no. No, 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 we're not counting that. Um, <laughs> I, I just mean, like, actual fighters, because, like, the Miis have, like, you know, there's, there's Sword, there's Gun, and there's Brawler, so I was, like, counting them as three. And it's almost 90 at this point, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. So it's it's hard not to be satisfied, considering how many of them are, like, third party, by the way. Yeah. Because I think at least 20% of the fighters are, are, are third party. Yeah, Sonic, Snake... Yeah, it's a good amount. It's a good amount now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, and uh, we'll probably get the announcement later this year, and I think it's the character's set for February next year. I think. Oh really? I think so because uh, back when they uh, re- revealed the Fighters Pass two, it's like characters will be released from this date and to February twenty twenty two. I believe was like the last day so i feel like we're gonna get the character reveal later in the year and they'll be coming out early february late january if the character is gonna demand quite that much development time that only makes me scared for what kind of mechanics they're gonna have 
They have to have something special. Would, with, with that much of a time, you know, again, this is that is just like it might have changed, but like that was from the initial date. That's what I mm-hmm. believe. I, I'm pretty sure I saw, but like, if that is correct, and it's like, okay, who the character is, who, who what, what type type of mechanics would they be introducing to make a character need like this many more months? I can only imagine, dude. After everything I see Kazuya have in his kits, it's a wonder what else they could do. What else could... They fucking bring out Agumon. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> it's a Digimon, boys! It can Digivolve. It has a completely new set. And then it Digivolves into Metal Greymon. And then War Greymon. Four characters in one. Let's go. That's a possibility, actually. If it's like another stance kind of character, like Pyramithra or Pokemon Trainer, where they have different move sets depending on what stance they're in, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Except they only grow by like taking damage and dealing damage, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's how Digimon works. <laughs> that would be yeah. weird. Uh, any last thoughts you want to add to Smash Bros. before we move on to the bonus level? Uh... Don't play Wi-Fi if you can help it, unless you play casually, in which case have all the fun you want. And uh, support your local scene, because it's a lot of fun. Try out tournaments. I'm sure you guys could always enjoy them. Well said. Well said words. It's time for us to now move on to the bonus level. Now accessing the bonus level. And starting off, we got top five. Uh, top five favorite games. I've done this in an earlier episode, so Gail, the floor is all yours. All right. Well, um, in in my top five, I'll be I'll be blunt with you guys because I just rambled on RPGs for like 30, 40 minutes. I'll be honest. Four of my top five games are RPGs. <laughs> let's hear them. That's probably not a surprise to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear them then. In what All order right. are they in? All right. So keeping it strictly as like a one game per series rule, which I like to do with these lists, because if not, two of my top five would belong to one series. And I don't want that. So, keeping that in mind, at number five, I have Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I already, I ran it on earlier, but it, phenomenal world building, phenomenal characters, especially um, Mithra. She, like, she, she's one of those characters that has, like, a bad first impression, but grows on you tremendously on, and I think her better moments are all in the finale of the game, as well as in the DLC. But, um, yeah. Number four would have to be um, Final Fantasy X. Ooh. It's a well-known, phenomenal classic RPG. Strictly turn-based, it's one of the best games in the Final Fantasy series, right behind Final Fantasy VII. And to most people's surprise, I like X more. Because I prefer the fact it has... It was the first game to have like full voice acting. It was the first game on the PS2, so it could go to 3D. And um, also, extreme nostalgia bias, by the way. <laughs> the game originally came out in 2001, I think. Yeah, and then uh, it got... Actually, uh... no. I think it was a little bit earlier than that. Fuck, was it? I think so. I think it might have come out in 19... I'm going to Google this real quick, and I'll let you know what I find. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, I'll continue on. Right. Um, number three, Sonic Adventure 2. The only one that is not an RPG. And that game was straight up defining for my childhood. 
because it was the first game I played that had extremely good, like, well, I wouldn't say extremely good, but it had fun multiplayer that you could do. And some of the some of the kids in um, near where I lived had the game as well. So we always got together to play it together or we just fucked around in the chow garden for fun because that was by far the funnest thing to do as a kid. Like, you should never give the power to raise children to a child. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, and I can, uh, you, 2001, July 19th. Nice. So I was right at, I was right the first time. All right. I should not have second guessed myself then. <laughs> but yeah. Sonic Adventure 2, just despite um, the fact that it's old, it's still a phenomenal game. I know it has a very active speedrunning community. And on top of that, it, it just. It does everything I want in an action-adventure game while still having a somewhat decent story. Mm-hmm. And speaking of speedrunning for SA2, uh, I will just bring this up because it was a great run to watch. Dage 4, the world record holder, was at AGDQ and ran SA2. So if you want to see a really fucking good speedrun, go check that out. I heard about that, actually. Dude, he performed... Uh, I saw it real quick on Twitter. It was was wild. He got... He performed Hex Skip, which I didn't know was a thing. It it was... It's a fucking top-tier run. Nice. Okay, number two. Number two? I've already talked about it, and I can only talk about it more. Dragon Quest XI. S-version, specifically. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god, that game is borderline perfect. The only things I can think of that it does wrong is it gives you a little too much power to make things um to make things harder on yourself without a real like striking balance. So, I don't know if you know um how it works. It it gives you these things called Dragovian quests that you can input that, like you can put them on as you start the game. But you can only take them off. You cannot put them back on after you have taken them off. And the challenges they impose are actually really, really hard for kind of pointless reasons. So you you can't really say the game is overall easy when you factor in that it has those extra difficulty options. But with them on, it becomes too hard. Without them, it becomes way too easy. If you, you know, know how to farm properly and do everything and all that. So... That's definitely the major, the only real flaw I can say with the game. Other than that, phenomenal game. Definitely my second favorite. And number one. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Probably not a shocker, considering how much I I rave on the importance of story in in RPGs and how much that appeals to me. But also, I, I feel like just Birth by Sleep nails everything I love about RPGs to a T. So it has phenomenal characters, two of which have become my favorite characters in all of Kingdom Hearts, which would be Aqua and and Terra. I know. Surprise, surprise, I'm a Terra fanboy. I'm I know a lot of people love to hate on my guy, but I, I love him. He's he's a lovable gentle giant to me, and I will sti- I will I will die on that hill if I have to. And um it nails perfect combat because you know Kingdom Hearts is an action game, so it's all like real time. It's got a lot of hits to it, but birth by sleep does this beautiful melding of like your abilities and your spells to also give you like unique commands that no other game really has. And once you get to like the really, really broken ones, you feel like a God. Yeah. It's a rush. Oh, and yeah. I love that kind of power. 
Absolutely. I need to. I'll, I'll be playing it soon again once I've done a couple other games to go back and platinum it eventually. I'm sure you'll have a fun time with that one. I, I, I'm pretty sure I will, considering the fucking struggle that Chain of Memories brought me. <laughs> yeah, trust me. Birth by Sleep nails so many things that I think Chain of Memories tried to do. Because as you know, Chain of Memories has a lot of other like interesting commands. Chain, that Chain of you... Memories just has uh, cards. <laughs> yeah, like. But like when you combine them into slates, you get a lot of unique. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, this the slate and, system is actually really well done, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, it just takes a while. It, to... it takes a little bit to learn, but once you learn it, and uh, oh, it's so it's so actually very really well really well done, and it makes mm-hmm. the game a breeze even on the hardest difficulty. Yeah, and like Birth by Sleep does that, but it's so much simpler. Yeah. Because you don't have to worry about cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the, the final thing I will note about BBS that I love, that everyone can probably see this coming at this point, I love what it did for the story of Kingdom Hearts overall. Yeah. Absolutely love it. I think for a game that is a prequel game, so it it takes place 10 years before every other game in the series, minus the mobile games, it did masterful work with how everything like leads in to future installments. And it also set up the main villain of the series in just a masterful way. It was absolutely beautiful. And you also had a really good voice cast with Leonard Nimoy as the original voice of Xehanort and Mark Hamill as Ericus. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal voice acting all around. I, I like the level design in most of the worlds. There are there are a couple misses. I won't I'm not afraid to criticize my own favorite games. I do think all of them do have a couple of flaws. And level design was one of BBS's, but most of the worlds felt pretty well designed. They did a good job of incorporating like um platforming elements. Um enemy encounters were well paced. Even a couple of the minigames I had fun with, because there's one world that's devoted to just minigames. And it's it's hit or miss depending on which. Yeah, and good old Disney Town. <laughs> yeah, Disney Town. I'm not gonna. I I don't want to spoil it, but like, I don't I don't like Fruit Ball. <laughs> that was um, that's the one I hate. That was uh, was that was either Aquas or Ventus. It was Aquas. It was Aquas. Yeah, Ven had the rhythm mini game. All right, and then Terra had go karts. Yeah, the the traditional racer, which was like whatever you know i mean it it didn't miss yeah yep uh all right but yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) sorry i was gonna i was gonna make one last note on the story okay oh my god i love just the beautiful transitions to future installments that birth by sleep does in in the final few chapters by the way because since you have all three characters, you have three individual stories that all take place at the same time as each other. And the game sort of handles it really beautifully where like you see the story sort of intermingle where even in individual worlds, the actions of a character that already came and left still impact the others who still come after them. And I love how they do this between all three protagonists. And even in one world where all three of them reconvene at a certain point together and then, you know, break apart after... I think all those, just just the way that Birth by Sleep paces itself using things like that is so well thought out and just so beautiful. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to This Week in Gaming History. Uh, from July 12th to July 18th, here's what's happened in the past. 
On the 12th in 1987, Konami releases Metal Gear for the MSX2 in Japan. On the 13th in 2004, Tales of Symphonia was released for the GameCube in North America. Woo! Let's go. On the 14th in 2011, Star Fox 3D is released in Japan for the 3DS. Woo! Let's go again. On the 15th in 1983, Nintendo releases Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. for the family computer in Japan. Oh, wow. That's this week. On the 16th in 1981, Nintendo releases the second widescreen Game & Watch, Octopus. <laughs> the final smash. <laughs> On the 17th of 2007, Red Octane and Activision release Guitar Hero Encore, Rock the 80s, for the PlayStation 2 in North America. Nice. And on the 18th in 2002, Sony releases an ocean blue translucent PlayStation 2 system in Japan uh, that costs around 250 US dollars. That's actually kind of cool. I actually really like the PlayStation 2's design. Yeah, it's not bad. I never owned one, so I had friends though. Oh. Did they own like the slim one or the, the large one? Uh, I think it was the large one. Oh, okay. I was talking mostly about the the slim one. Ah. Yeah, I had like this silver looking one. That was it was it was a really cool PS2. If you've ever seen what a slim PS2 looks like, having that but like silver, it's like having the new Nintendo Switch. Ah. <laughs> okay. Um, the achievement of the week uh, goes to Doki Doki Literature Club Plus any percent world record attempts, which is to write a poem in twenty seconds or less. And the game to look out for this week is Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. And here's this week's chicken update. Yo, this chicken sandwich from Popeye's is bussin' more than the title of the official Kitchen Nightmares YouTube page. Thanks for that update, Mike. Gail, thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course, my pleasure. This was a blast. We're almost two hours in. Where can we find you on the internet? So, uh, my Twitter and my Twitch are both Gail McLeod. That would be G-A-L-E-M-C-C-L-O-U-D for both of them. And then on Discord, I'm, I'm just Gail. Yeah? All right. And, of course, you can find me, uh, Tony, over at Tony's Game Lounge on both Instagram and Twitch. And at Radio Tony on Twitter. And uh, over on Twitch, we finally have our new setup. We're no longer streaming from the PlayStation. It's so much better. We're able to do so many more things. So check them out. And go check out Gail as well. Thanks, man. Thank you once again, Gail. It was a blast to have you on and just talk video games. It was great. Was not expecting another two-hour episode, but hey, that makes it all the more. <laughs> the fact we went for that long just shows you how much fun I had with exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, and we will see you next week right here for the season three finale of Tony's Game Lounge. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Thank you for listening to Tony's Game Lounge. You can find all social media links in the episode description. Be sure to follow the podcast on your streaming platform for new episodes and follow Tony's Game Lounge on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch for weekly updates.